can we give a real big clap to all our moms this morning? Kind of on that, on that mom's kind of thought, we, we had a baptismal service this morning with one of the Grace Home Girls. If you don't know, we, we, we own a, Clover Hill owns a home, and Grace Ministry, we partner together. And there are three girls in the home. The, home of, the purpose of the home is to provide uh, help for girls that are pregnant or with their babies. And we have three girls in there now with three babies. And, and I had the opportunity to meet one of them last week. And uh, she told me she didn't want to go to the Grace Home. There was too many rules and requirements and expectations, but she didn't have anywhere else to go. So she went, and since she's been there, she's, got, she's given her life to Jesus. She got water baptized. She completed her high school diploma. She has a job coming out where she'll be making $20 an hour. She's getting married to, her, to the baby's father in September. The path of her life has been radically changed. And this girl that didn't want to go is now grateful and appreciative for the opportunity she's had. So, uh, again, I mean, what a great, great ministry. Today I want to, I want to talk, I asked all the moms uh, this past week, either on Facebook or on my text or my contact, of what is the most challenging thing about being a mother. And I got so many responses, and thank you for those that participated. And I just kind of lumped them together. And, and so many moms said these kind of things. One mom said, I feel like an ATM where all I get is withdrawals and no deposits. Um, it's physically demanding and I'm sleep deprived. Uh, money said uh, just the balance of the whole thing, home and work and school and, and their kids' activities. Many said of the insecurities that they feel, have I done enough? I feel guilty and inadequate. Always feel like I'm not measuring up or second-guessing the decisions that I've made. Single moms are constantly saying how they just wish they had somebody to do it with, that, that it's taxing, and, and we can definitely understand that. Many said they're, they're hurting watching their kids make bad decisions and allowing the consequences to teach them, that they, they can't jump in. That would do their kids more harm than good, and the kids are making decisions that are really ruining their lives. One lady said, I just hope I don't ruin them feeling like I failed, letting go and recognizing that they're growing up and I can't protect them all the time, trusting the Lord with their future. And so I've dedicated this message today to all the moms. I think anybody can get something out of it. But if I had the opportunity to sit at your table, if you invited me to your house and I sat across the couch from you and, and you said, what are some advice? What would you tell me as a mom? These are the four things that I would say. And I would take it from, the, uh, from Luke's gospel and it's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. This is the first introduction that we have of Mary. We have no, no record of her spiritual vitality or her great potential or her uh, uh, ultimate wisdom. All we know is this little teenage girl, some yet think as young as 14, gets called on by Gabriel to do a great task. Not only is it Mother's Day, but we're in a series called Unlikely, and that's what God does. He uses people that, just like you and I, and all of us are unlikely, and he, and he takes the ordinary and does extraordinary things through us. And so he came to this ordinary uh, little girl named Mary and said, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord 
is with you. And, and again, four things, if I could tell you, if I could just talk to you, if it was just me and you, I would say, number one, that the Lord is with you, that he's not left you nor forsaken you, that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that, that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he's for you and not against you, that he lives in you by the power of his spirit, that he is just a prayer away, that, that he wants to help you and come alongside you. And, and some of you are saying, well, I don't feel like he's with me. For many, for maybe a handful, maybe more than I would even know, that today is not celebratory. Today is more remindful of, of a past that, that has been pain, that a child that has passed away, or a, a relationship with a kid that's dysfunctional. And, and you're, you're sitting here today and you say, I don't, I don't feel like the Lord is with me. I just want to remind you of that. That poem, you remember the footprints where, where this lady, the story goes that she had just broke up with a boyfriend from a long, long relationship, and then she got struck with meningitis, and she was at the lowest place of her life, and she sits down and writes this poem, when I was walking on the beach and things were going good, there were, there were two sets of footprints, and, and God, I'm grateful that you walked alongside me. But when things started going sour, there was only one, foot of, one set of footprints, and God, I thought when I needed you the most, you'd be there the most. Where were you? What happened? And she said, uh, when you were going through that, that's when I was carrying you. And I want you to know this morning that God wants to carry you through your pain and your difficulty and your challenges. Here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. We, we want to think, well, well when, I, when, I, uh, when I ride on the waters or when I walk on the waters, God will be with me. No, no, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, I will not, they will not sweep over you. When, you. when you walk through the fire, and we like to say, well, when I'm warmed by the fire, God will be with me. No, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God is trying to, to reiterate and to, to remind you that, that he's for you, that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear because God is with you. Blessed are those who mourn, the Bible says, for they will be comforted. Our prayer for you this morning is that God will give you supernatural strength, that his peace that passes all understanding would guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, that Mother's Day would not have to be endured, but, but that you're going to make it because of the presence and the, and the peace that only God can give. And there's going to be a time again where you enjoy this special day. Maybe you've got little kids, toddlers running around your house, and uh, you're just exhausted. You're not complaining, but you desperately need rest. I just want you to know the Lord is near. The Lord is with you. He, he's helping you. In fact, he said, come unto me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He, he said that if you'll come to me, if you'll put your trust in me, if you'll wait on me, I'll, I'll renew your strength, and I'll, I'll help you to mount up with wings like eagles, and I'll, I'll help you to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. The Lord is, is near you, and my prayer that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body this morning and give you divine energy and strength and a proper perspective that it's not going to be like this forever, but God's going to help you. Maybe you have teenage kids, and uh, you know, I got two older kids, they're young adults, and now I have a 17-year-old daughter, and, and so I know all about teenagers, and, and uh, they, they can be trifling. This is what Tom, uh, uh, Mark Twain said. He said, when your kid turns 16, put them in a barrel and put a hole in the top of it. And when they turn 18, plug the hole. I don't recommend that, but it does make a little bit of sense when you've, 
you've had teenagers, and I, I'm just praying for you that God will be gracious to you, that, that he'll give you patience, that he'll give you wisdom, that the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give to, to all. He'll give it generously without finding fault. That means that you're a recipient for wisdom, and I'm praying that God gives you wisdom during those, those times where you don't know how to handle it or know what to do. Maybe you have an adult kid that has wandered, strayed, drifted away from God. Maybe you're disconnected with him. And, and I, I'm, I'm praying for you today that God will give you hope, that God will give you perseverance, that, that he's not done with them yet, that, that he, their story's not finished yet, that God is that you think you care about their soul. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for their soul. He cares about them. He's pursuing them. I'm encouraging you, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep going after God because the Lord is with you. He He's near you. Je Jesus, through Gabriel, came to Mary, and she said, "He said, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have a child. You're gonna be with a child. But I want you to know right out the gate, the Lord is with you." And then the conversation continues, and Mary was greatly troubled at this. I mean, why would I see an angel? And and what's this task he's asking me to do? And and why would they start off that you, the Lord's going to be with you? What What's about to happen? She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. If I Again, if I had an opportunity to speak into your life and you would allow my voice to, to, to echo in your heart, I would say the Lord is with you. And I'd say, don't be afraid. Don't, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't struggle with that. And, and, and if I could ask, how many struggle? How many would agree with me? And you, you just struggle with worry. There's some... There's some anxiousness. Would you raise your hand, anybody? And then how many did not raise their hand because they're worried about what the person beside them might think? If we're truthful, we all worry. All, we're all anxious about some things. And you know what worry is? Worry is what ifs. What if my kid never gets on a normal schedule? What if they never go potty on the pot? And that's a big deal. What if they're not prepared for kindergarten? What if they cave to peer pressure? What if they don't learn from their mistakes? What if they don't serve God with their lives? What if they don't get into college? What if they don't choose the right spouse? What if they don't make it on their own? What if they don't give me grandkids? See, we worry, uh, what we worry about reveals what we value most. And so it is, it's highly likely that we might worry about our kids more than anything because that's what we value the most. That's our focus. That's that's our heart. But also what you worry about most reveals what you trust God about least. And so we trust God with our lives. We trust him with our finances. We trust him with our relationships. Why can't we trust him with our kids? And you need to know when it comes to worry that worry is a sin. Paul said, do not be, do not be anxious about anything. And, and non-believers, they ought to worry. They should worry. We live in a, in a culture, in a community, in a context that's very, it's, it's very unstable, and, it, and, it, and it's very, it really, it's very broken. And if I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I would be worried. But because I know Jesus, because I'm his and he's mine, that I, I know that my steps are ordered by the Lord, that he's my glory and the lifter of my head, that I can cast my cares upon him because he cares for me. Worry is a killer, they, they say that worry is connected to almost every physical ailment that you'll go through. It's even connected to cancer, they say now. It's heart disease, ulcers, myogranes, depression. It's all connected to fear, to worry, to doubt. It, it, worry enables fear to take hold of your mind in such a way that hope can't find home, a home. Worry fills your face with wrinkles and apprehension. 
It paralyzes your mind so you can't produce. It robs your body of sleep. The old English word for worry is to strangle. And, it, and if you've dealt with worry, you know it strangles you spiritually and it keeps you disconnected from God. It strangles you relationally, relationally and, and keeps you at odds with other people. It strangles you physically, as I've already talked about. And emotionally, it keeps you in a dark place, in a, in a, in a, in a fearful place. You know what the root of worry, of fear, of anxiousness is? It's an orphan spirit. It's a mindset. It's an attitude that God doesn't care about me and God's not big enough or great enough, that he's not, he's not able to provide for me, protect me, or properly care for me. Worry is useless. Jesus said, can you add anything to your life by worry? It, I, you can't change the past. You can't control the future. All worry does is ruin today. Worry is like having to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And uh, some of you young people, you don't know what I'm talking about yet. It's coming. I'm not telling you that so you worry and you're fearful. I'm just saying, Pastor, be more positive. I'm being more, I'm positive there's going to come a time in your life where you don't make it through the night without having to go into the bathroom. And it's a terrible feeling. You wrestle with it. You, you think about it. You, should I get up? And, and you try to wish it away and you try to think it away. And then you're afraid you're going to wet the bed. And then you're, I mean, so this is what I found. As soon as I got to go, as soon as I wait, just get up, go to the bathroom, take care of business, and get back to bed so I can finish my night's sleep. It's just like worry. You can hang on to it. You can wrestle with it. You can think about it constantly. You can say, well, what I do? How am I? Or you can get up. You can go to God. You can cast it to him. You can give it to him and say, God, you're in control. You're the leader of my life. I'm not going to worry about this thing. I'm going to give it to you. Worry is like a rodent. Here, here's what I mean by that. There was a, there's a story of a pilot who, who was going across the country, and it was one of those smaller planes, so I had to stop about every two hours. His next destination was, was two hours away, and, and he heard what he thought was a rat chewing on some cables, and he got worried in the, in the control compartment, the, the, trunk, the hood of the airplane or whatever airplanes have. Cockpit. I don't know if it was a cockpit. That'd be his toes. I mean, where the, where the controls are. He was in the engine box. Is that maybe? Okay, you don't know either. He was, it was something, and he was, this rat was chewing on these vital cords. And so, and so he got worried, but he started to think. And he said, well, I know rodents are meant to live on the ground or under the ground, and maybe I can climb to a, such an altitude that where he won't be able to breathe. And so he took that plane up to 20,000 feet. And surely enough, after about two minutes at 20,000 feet, the, the noise stopped, and it went away. And, and, and what he realized, again, was that rodent could not live in a high altitude. And, and I, I'm just encouraging you today that if your worry is an issue with you, it cannot live in the secret place of the Most High. It cannot breathe in the atmosphere made vital by prayer and the knowledge of the God's Word. Worry dies when we ascend to the Lord through prayer and worship and thanksgiving. If worry is an issue in your life, I'm encouraging you to climb until you sense the presence of the living God. To climb until you feel the peace that passes all understanding. To climb until you know joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Climb into the atmosphere of faith where worry cannot live. Do not be anxious about anything but everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a good word. The, the angel Gabriel said, do not 
worry. And when it comes to your kids, you can worry or you can do what God asks you to do. And you say, okay, what has God asked me to do? And, and I don't want to be trite or make something very complex, simple, but I, I think one of the things is God's asked us to prepare them for life, to get them ready to leave the house and to be productive uh, contributors to society. The Bible says that God, that Jesus, the Son of God, grew in knowledge. He grew physically. He grew spiritually. And he grew relationally. So as parents, we have a responsibility to create an environment where our kids can grow and excel in those four areas. I think you take your kids through really three stages. Parent control, do what I tell you to do. Self-control, they do what they know they should do. God control, where they begin to ask God what he wants them to do. We have a responsibility to prepare our kids for life. But I think ultimately our, our number one job description is to point them to Jesus. That ought to be our mission. I, I care about my kids' grades. I care that they excel on the ball field. I, I, I care that they do well in, in whatever they endeavor to do. But more than anything, I care that they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I've heard people tell me, well, it doesn't matter. As long as they get to God, there's many paths to God and whatever religion they choose. And, and I, I, just, I just want you to know, once again, that's the furthest thing from the truth, that there were many ways to God. Jesus would not have had to die a brutal death on the cross. That was a mean-spirited God. If he made his son go through something like that, if there was another way, Jesus went through that because there's not another way. I, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There is one name under heaven by which men can be saved. It's the name of Jesus, and it's our responsibility to lift Jesus to such a place in our lives that it makes it attractive, and our kids will want to follow it. We, we, so, so again, so, and here's what I know. This is what, this is what, uh, what I think should happen. Good parents raise good kids, and, and, and good stable homes produce good stable kids. And, and if you, if you love the Lord, your kids will love the Lord. And if, if you honor the word, your kids will honor the word. But experience tells me, I've seen I've seen good kids come from bad homes, and I've seen bad kids come from good homes, and I've seen two kids come from the same home, and one good and one bad. I, here's how, what I think. I think kids are so different. One kid is born with a smile on his face, and his job is to be compliant and make your life happy. And the next kid is born with a smirk on his face and a cigarette in his mouth, and his job is to make your life miserable and to make it hard. And this is what I know about kids. They have a choice. They're part of the equation. You can take your kids to church, but you can't make them worship. You can provide for them a godly example, but you can't make them follow it. You can teach them about Jesus, but you can't make them want to know them. So, so Pastor, what do I do? You do your best. You model Christianity. You make it your goal to make him the priority relationship in your life. You let your kids see you reading your Bible. You, you pray over your kids in faith. You try to walk within your home with integrity and skill. You depend on the God's power. You depend on God's grace. You depend on God's spirit to, for everything that you have and everything that you're about. You offer yourself to God on a regular basis. You commit your way to him. You surrender to, your will, to his will. 
But ultimately, we have to trust God that he's going to take care. And I'm telling you from experience, I can't tell you the number of times I've told Angie, have I ruined my kids? Here I go again, same mistake. I keep making it time after time again. I keep raising my, I keep doing, I keep, why? Because we're not perfect parents. None of us are. All we can do is do our best to go after God ourselves, to try to create an environment where they can excel in, in those four areas of their lives. But ultimately, it's up to God. It's up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to, to, to God the Son to, to save them and touch them and help them and, and come alongside them and, and show them the way and, and provide a way for them. And so I'm going to do my best. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to live two-sided. And I'm not, I'm not going to worship on Sunday with my hands raised and my mouth lifted and then go curse them out all week. I'm not... I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be, you know what, kids are, not look, kids are not looking for perfect parents. They're looking for parents that will love them unconditionally, that will set boundaries that will keep them safe, and that will have the humility to admit when they're wrong. And just say, Tyler, I blew it. Zach, I messed up. Emily, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. They can live with that. They can, they can make that. They, they, they can, they, and that's what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to, to help prepare them for life. But here's the deal. Ultimately, they're his. We're just stewards. And he cares about them more than we do. And that doesn't even seem possible to me as a parent or probably as you as a parent. But it's the reality. And so I just do my part. I do my best. But I'm not going to worry. I'm, I'm not going to constantly fret. I'm not going to constantly live in the rearview mirror. I'm not going to constantly think what I should have, could have, might have done. I'm going to give that to God and say, God, I need you to fill in my gaps. I need you to be, to be their spiritual father. I need you to reveal yourself to them in a way that, that, that they can respond to and come to know you personally and intimately. Mary, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a kid. I want you to know the Lord is with you. He's not forsaken you. He's not departed from you. And don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. You just do your part. You do all you can. You go after God, and, and, I, and I'll make up the difference. You, you trust me with your kids. And here, here's the next thing that happened in the conversation. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great. If I could come into your living room, I would tell you, hey, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. And don't see your kid through the eyes of what is, but see him through the eyes of what could be. In your kid is potential. There's possibility. There is a seed, a God-planted seed of destiny and purpose. And it might not look like it on the outside, but I'm believing that he is great. We're going to see through the eyes of Potential is not what he's done. Potential is what he has not yet done. When, when, when the Hebrews saw Moses, they saw a selfish murderer. God saw the, first, the author of the first five books of the Bible. When, when, the, when the others saw Peter as a rash, impulsive fisherman, God saw a rock upon which he would build his church. When others saw David as just a shepherd boy, God saw a giant slayer and eventual king. When others saw a young girl, a teenage girl, by the name of Mary, God saw uh, the, 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 the girl that would carry the Savior of the world. When others saw a nerdy Pharisee named Paul, God saw the author of a third of the New Testament and a planner of the New Testament church. If I, if I, could, if I could speak to moms, if I could speak to dads, I would say he will be great. If I could speak to kids today, 
I would see we see potential in you. We see possibility in you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And I'm praying and I'm believing that you're going to tap into his will, that you're not going to settle for anything but his best, that you're going to go after God with everything that you have. And that God is not... God does not want to hurt you. God has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we're praying that you'll find abundant life in the presence of your, of your, your heavenly father. He will be great. Here's the next and the final part of this story. It's all found in Luke's gospel chapter 1. How will this be, Mary asked? I'm just a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the holy one born will be called the son of god even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with god well my kid is far from god he he doesn't want anything to do with the lord nothing is impossible with god well my kid got a negative report from the doctor and they say they're going to be like this forever nothing is impossible with God. Well, my relationship with their father is so distraught and it's so dysfunctional. Nothing is impossible with God. If I could speak words of hope into your life and into your heart, that nothing is impossible with God, that God's not finished, that God's not done, that he is active, that he's on the move, that he's on the work, that nothing is impossible with God. I've got a brother that's four years older than me and we were raised in the same home. We had, I have a, two, a great father, a wonderful mother. They, they, they taught me the things of God. I am so fortunate, so blessed. I count it such a privilege to have grown up in such a loving, caring, godly family and home. And, and uh, I mean, I trace my, I mean, everything I've become, everything I want to be is rooted in the fact, in, in, that, in the grace that God has given me. My older brother, he was in the same home, same family, same parents, same opportunities, same investment, yet at 16, his heart started to drift. And by 18, he was gone. He decided to do his own thing, running with the wrong crowd, being in the wrong place. I mean, anything you can think of, he was involved in it. But thank God, we got a gracious God, but I also have a praying mom. And there's something about the prayers of mom. And, and see, we think that, that prayer, that God's language is English. God's language is not English. It's the cry of the heart. And there's something about the cry of a mom's heart. Because when a mom goes after God for her kids, there's passion, there's fervency, there's persistence. She's not going to let go. And for five years, my mom cried out for my brother. God, save him. God, help him. I've done my best, and obviously my best wasn't enough. I need you to intervene. I need you to make a way. At 22 years old, he was sitting in his driveway, getting ready for work, about to pull out the driveway for work. Not even thinking about God. And his testimony, when I asked him what happened, this is what he told me. He said, Stan, it was like the Holy Spirit came and sat down right beside me. And he said, what are you doing? And my brother responded, he said, I'm ruining my life. I'm turning away from everything that I know that's true. And I hate it. And he had a conversation. I mean, not there was this dialogue with God. And God said, you know, I can forgive you. And so in that, I won't belabor you with the details, but in that, on that driveway, in that truck, my brother surrendered his life back to Jesus. He confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. 30 years later, he's in a church this morning worshiping the same God we're worshiping, going after the same Jesus we're going after. Why? Because in the grace and the goodness of God, but also because of the fervency of a mother's prayer. Nothing 
is impossible with God. That's what it's supposed to say. That's not what it does say. That's what it's supposed to say. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God. If I could sit in your living room again, if I just had you one-on-one, if I could just talk with you and say, Pastor, what, what would you tell me as a mom, a young mom, a hurting mom, a mom of a teenager, a mom of an adult mom that they're, they're ruining their lives? I don't know what to do. This is what I would say. The Lord is with you. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if you don't feel like it, I, I would tell you today, it's because he's carrying you, because he's walking with you. Don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will be great. Don't see them as they are currently, but see them as they could be. And nothing is impossible with God. He is able to do above and beyond what we think, hope, or imagine. Amen, everybody. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I, I pray that, that by your word we will be encouraged. Moms, would you stand? Do you mind? Grandmoms, moms, stand to your feet, will you? We want to pray for you. We want to take a moment to pray these words of, of, of Gabriel that spoke to Mary. Uh, husbands, kids, if you're around your mom, would you stand and put your hand on their shoulder? And, and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for our mothers. We, we thank you for those that you've put in our lives to raise us and to love us and to help us. God, I just pray that they'll know, that they know, that they know that you're with them, that you're for them, God, that you've not left them to, the, to their own, but you are their very present help in time of trouble. Lord, I pray that fear and anxiousness would be lifted and that faith and joy would flood their heart today, that they would not be afraid, that you would, you would give them what they need and you would come alongside them and then they would trust you. Lord, don't let them live in anxiousness and worry and doubt. Free them from that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that they will see us, their children, not as we are, but as we could be. Give them eyes of faith. And Lord, I pray that they'll be reminded that nothing is impossible with you. That nothing is impossible with you. Bless them, Lord. Keep them. Help them. In Jesus' name. Moms, will you do me a favor and do those around you a favor? There's nothing like a mom's prayers. Nothing like it. Would you, would you put your hand on your kids, on your spouse, and would you pray over them? Would you just take a minute, pray for us, ask the Lord to help us. Ask the Lord to lead us, guide us. for just a moment. Can I ask a question? Is there, is, is there somebody here today that, that would say, man, I, I don't know God. I just came because my mom made me come, but, but I sent something and I realized I need Jesus. I need him to forgive me. I need his grace. I, I'm doing life my own way and it's not working. Or maybe it is working, but you just realize today there's something more. There's something better. That voice is the Holy Spirit, and, and I would tell you today, it's not, if you're hearing you're not good enough, and you can't be forgiven, and your past is too bad, and this is just about your mom, not about you, 
that's not the right voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit is saying, I love you and I want what's best for you. And I want you to spend eternity in the presence of God. And, and I don't want you to ruin and mess up your life. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to walk with you. I want to lead you. I want to help you. I want to go with you. And if you want to respond to that voice, it's as easy as, as confessing and saying, Lord, I've blown it. Lord, I've messed up. It's, it's, it's deciding in your heart, I'm going to turn from the way I think I ought to live and the way I want to live. And I'm going to turn to the way God wants me to live. And I'm going to pursue a relationship with him. I'm going to invite him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. This is what I would say. If you need Jesus today, if you realize you're far from God and, and, you, and you're without him, I would say, Lord, I realize I need you. And I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me. I, I understand that my righteousness is like filthy rags, that I'm not good enough. I need your grace. And so this morning I receive it. And I change directions. I, I'm headed one way, God, but I want to go your way. And so in my mind and in my heart, I turn towards you today. And I ask you to be my Lord and to be my leader and to be my king. Lord, I pray for those that have made a decision today to follow Jesus, that this wouldn't be the end but the beginning of a new journey, a new walk with you. That you would help them, Lord, that you would confirm in their hearts that now they are children of the Most High God. Lord, would you begin to lay out the plan before them and help them to see you for who you really are. God, give them wisdom and grace and insight and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me. If you said yes to the Lord today, I prayed it, but I'll say it. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. It doesn't stop here. It starts here. On the way out, there's a table. You can pick up some resources, a worship CD, a Bible. We'd love to get your name, some information so we can pray for you. If you want to get in a small group, we'll connect you with a group. We'll, we'll just give you everything you need to begin to walk out this new journey with Jesus. I know some people are leaving, but we're not quite done. We're going to have a baptism service, and you'll want to stay to celebrate that. But can we, before we do that, can we celebrate those that have said yes to Jesus? Can we just give them a hand? We're praying for you. We believe in you. Your best days are yet to come. In Jesus' name.